discover the inherent power of God in you. Whether there are challenges or not, we are still the same. We are constant. God is constant. God does not change. And that is the life that we have received. It says Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. That is the same life we have also received. We are also the same yesterday, today, and forever. What kind of life? We, we, we are the same because we have the same life with Christ. So when you think about God, think about you. Because everything he is, that is why he told Abraham, he said, I am your, your exceeding great reward. God gave himself as a reward to Abraham. And we are the seed of Abraham. Therefore, we have inherited God himself. Listen to Pastor Oti Boatim as Christ is magnified in you. Hallelujah. You are wonderful people. You are all wonderful. Hallelujah. Tell your neighbor you are wonderful. I want to see everyone smiling because we are in Mount Zion. The joy of the whole earth is here. This is the place of joy. You have not come to a funeral. You have come to a great public festival gathering. Hallelujah. Yesterday we spoke about inspiration. We spoke about second Timothy chapter 3, verse 16 and 17. And if you could remember, we spoke about the inspiration of the word of God. We said the Bible is inspired because it is unique in continuity. Then we also said it is unique in survival. It is unique in fulfillment. How many of you remember that? Yes. And we spoke about the man of God, what it means to be truly finished unto every good work. And I know that all of us are going to become truly finished. We, have, we are in a kind of boat that has the sails and the rudder and we are fully equipped for the sea of life, the storms of life. Tonight, I want us to consider 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 15. Yes. Study to show thyself approved unto God. A workman that needed not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. Can we all read the verse together? One, go. For the last time, Hallelujah. Study to show thyself approved unto God. A workman that needed not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. So this is the verse one to consider for the night. Hallelujah. Now Paul spoke to Timothy and said, Timothy, I want you to study. To show yourself approved unto God. I want you to study. Tell your neighbor, study. Steady. Now, that's from the King James, but if you, you are used to other versions, you find the word be diligent. Actually, from the Greek, the word in the Greek for steady here is diligent. So you can read it this way be diligent. Okay, ASV said that 
give diligence. Give diligence. A, A has been said, give diligence. The word spirit there has the word implication of diligence. Be diligent to present yourself proved unto God. An unashamed workman rightly cutting the word of truth. Be diligent. Hallelujah. Now, regards to the Bible, the first attitude you need in studying the Bible is actually, actually diligence. In fact, without diligence, no man can really know the Bible. Without diligence, no man can actually know the Bible. Because diligence speaks of hard work. Diligence speaks of hard work. But much more than that, the word diligence actually means to read with diligence means you read slowly, you read carefully, and you read unhurriedly. You read slowly. Diligence has, has to do with carefulness. You see, when it comes to the Bible, your attitude must be that you read carefully, you read slowly, and you read unhurriedly. Have you ever had the experience where you are reading the Bible, but you are reading this chapter, but you go, you go to verse 22, the 22nd verse, but you wonder how you got there. <laughs> and you wonder what is in the previous verse. You, you don't even remember anything. How many of you have, have, have been there? Yeah, it happens. <laughs> you are in verse 15, but how come you got there? And you don't even remember anything you've read previously. it's because of the attitude because there are so many things in your head that when you open the Bible you can't finish sorry you can't wait to finish what you are reading (laughs) actually you you would have skipped it but because of your conscience Am I prophesying tonight? <laughs> you see, but in order to bribe your conscience and to have a good feeling, you just open it to do something. You know, and in so doing, you got into reading, but before you realize, you finish the whole chapter, but you can't really remember anything you have, you have learned. It happens to all of us. Happens to me. We are men of like passions. <laughs> that is why you need a certain kind of mindset to approach the Bible. Other than that, I- I'm telling you, for a whole week you'll be reading, but you don't know what you're actually getting from it. Or the next day, you can touch the same verse and you go like, ah, did I read this yesterday? <laughs> Was it there? Or sometimes the next day, sometimes the next day, you can't even trace where you left the previous day. You keep searching, ah, where was I crying? I know I was reading Psalm 22, but it was Psalm 22. And you read Psalm 22 and it, it, don't, it doesn't seem like that was the chapter you really read. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
Hallelujah. So, so actually, the first step is diligence. You do it carefully, slowly, and hurriedly. When you approach the Bible, you have to read the Bible like an accountant will balance his books. It's when an accountant is balancing the books, he's so careful. Because if you are supposed to write 1,000 and you make it 10,000, just a single zero is going to cause a lot of mess. A single zero is very expensive. So when he's putting together the account, he's careful with the figures and with what he writes. And that is how the attitude you must use to approach the Bible. Like an accountant. Other than that, you read something that is already in your mind. You read it with, the whole thing is the scarlet. You're, you're, you can't read it as it is. Your mind's already programmed a certain way, and that is how you are reading it. Hallelujah. So, so don't be fast. Instead of trying to read four chapters to impress yourself, why don't you read one? And with the one, take your time and digest it. Now, who is marking you? Why, why do you want to read for? <laughs> because, you see, the devil sometimes brings condemnation. Now, when you have not read the Bible and you are walking in the day, never feel condemned. Feel hungry. If I have not eaten in the morning and, and, and you see yourself in the afternoon, you find yourself in the afternoon, do you feel condemned for not eating? You feel what hungry and you respond to the hunger. So if I've not read the Bible, never feel condemned. Just, just respond to hunger. <laughs> the same devil who condemned you for not reading three chapters. Sometimes you read it, you feel like the devil will say, Oh, you are a pastor of the church. Members are reading ten chapters. <laughs> the best you could do is two. Meanwhile, you are a pastor. And look at what your church members are doing. It's not like that. The Bible is not like that. Then you need to have the attitude of a miner. You know how miners mine gold and precious minerals from the earth. They dig and dig and dig with a lot of diligence and hard work. And the Bible speaks of that kind of attitude towards the word. When you open a Bible, you are going to mine. The Bible says, if thou searchest for her, as for silver. If you seek her as for silver, and if you search for her as for treasures, Proverbs chapter 2, verse 4, he's speaking of our attitude. You have to seek the word of God like silver and search the truth of God, search for God in his word like treasures. Then you will understand the fear of God and you will find the knowledge of God. You understand the fear of the Lord and you find the knowledge of God. Proverbs 2, verse 4 and 5. So, understand that the Bible is full of treasures. Oh, the depth of the riches, both of the wisdom and the knowledge of God. So, as you open it, treasures are just open before you. Take time in mind. Hallelujah. Many years ago, in a certain communist country, as a lady was going for a meeting, they were going for Bible studies. And they were arrested because they suspected that they were going to have a church service. And the police asked her, what are you going to do? You know how he replied? The woman said, my sinner brother is dead. And uh, my sinner brother is dead. And the brothers and the sisters, we have 
we've come together to read his will. <laughs> we are going to read his will to see what he gave each of us. Because the, New Test- the testament is a will. Christ didn't die in testate. He died as a testator. He left us the will. That's a New Testament. <laughs> so you have to read the will very well and know the treasures that is left for you. Hallelujah. Beloved, you know, how do you study with diligence? Start from the mind. Make your mind ready. Just decide, determine that, Charlie, from today on, I'm going to change my attitude. Of course, there's grace for diligence. Paul said, I see abounding everything in knowledge, in faith, in utterance. And in all diligence and your love towards us, see that he abound in this grace also. Second Corinthians 8 7. He itemized certain things and he said they were all grace. See that he abound in this grace also. He calls diligence grace. So you can ask God to give you the grace for diligence. In this grace also, implying that all of it, all of, of the items he has pre- previously named are all graces. See that ye are bound in this grace also. So God can give you the grace for diligence in his word. And that is what we should pray for. I never understood. You know, when I was young, I went to secondary school first year. First year, first term, I was a day student. Second term, I was a day student. Third term, I became a boarder. So I didn't know the life of the boarders, actually. So the first night I slept, in the dormitory. I woke up at 3 a.m. And the whole dormitory for Form 1 boys, I was the only one sleeping there. <laughs> ah, and I, I was shocked. See what is happening here? I just woke up and now no one was there. I was only one day. No, we were only two guys. Another guy was sleeping, just snoring somewhere. <laughs> Where are all the rest of the, of the people? What is happening here? What kind of school is this? It's 3 a.m. and no one is here. And I was wondering. I was wondering. So I also got up, dressed. and went to the academic site to see. To buy me. I'm, I'm sure the people are there. I didn't know whether the school performs midnight classes. Because <laughs> no one was there. So I went up. When I got there, I was shocked. They were all dressed and everyone was behind his book. 3 a.m. And our seniors were the upper six, upper six, the old system. And when they say, every one of you go up and learn, you can't say you are not going. Because they were big and were small. You know, understand? <laughs> <laughs> we met the old guys, the old system. So everyone was, I was so disturbed. What, what kind of school is this? Why, why, why? So I also want to sit on my book. I'll just doze it. <laughs> and it continued. Uh, of course, after, after a while, it stopped. And uh, people were studying. We used to study. Core science. Is it still done? Core science. <laughs> studying, integrated sciences. Studying, studying, studying. Osmoregulation, sublimation, esterification, saponification. <laughs> Hey! 
You know, I was an astronaut, so you can imagine remembering all these things. <laughs> I consumed the gas. I consumed the gas, actually. Page to page, I just consumed the gas. So when we finished school, just before finishing school, I was praying. And something dawned on me. I just asked myself, why should I use all my strength, all my mind to just study something that just belongs to this world and not put the same diligence into God's word? So I purpose from that day, that's a straight, after school, I'm going to give the same diligence I give to the guys. I'm going to give the same diligence to the Bible. I made that decision around the time we're going to write SSC. Then, after school, I just began. Hallelujah. I just began. I just read. And I was just reading what I didn't understand, but I was still reading. And I was reading. I couldn't understand. You know, my motivation, I asked myself that. Ah. I remember those days we used to watch Showcase in And I'm a fanty. And I could sit down and watch from beginning to the end. Yet, I couldn't understand one word in <laughs> Yet, I followed everything. And I said, oh, if I could do that, I can do that with the Bible. It doesn't matter what I understand, Leviticus or Habakkuk or Nahum or not. Since it's God's word, I know that one day, understanding will come. <laughs> Got into it. So, I believe it's the attitude of the, of the mind and of the heart. You have to purpose that I'm going to become diligent. Look at how you study. Or how you study in school, or how you study in school, the diligence. That's not what you give to the Bible. But the Bible should be greater. You study the Bible as though you're going to write exams tomorrow. Actually, you are writing the life, life, life examination. I study the Bible today more than all the days of when I was in school, more than all the studies I was doing. It can't be compared. So I realized that in school, it was just, just a little time. But now, we study more than when we were in school. I didn't, I didn't know that it was like that. It was almost like God had tricked me. Sorry for the word, but I didn't know we, we had to study our, 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 all our lifetime. Say diligence. The first thing is that it said be diligent. In studying, you have to be diligent. There was that there were so many in history who actually inspired me concerning the Bible. Inspired me concerning the scriptures because of their attitude and their diligence. One, one of them was called Smith Wigglesworth. He was a deep man of the spirit, but he was a man of the word. Wigglesworth was not educated, so he didn't know how to read. His wife taught him how to read. So normally in those days, Wigglesworth, when, when they have a program, he would pray at the background and his wife would preach. Because he didn't know, he wasn't eloquent and he couldn't read. So his work was to pray behind and the wife would be preaching. If you give Wigglesworth the microphone, you know what you come and do? You just come and, you just weep and weep and weep and just lead the rest of the people to, the people to Christ. He would just groan and weep and cry. And that's what he did. 
initially he would just cry. And that cry brought a lot of souls to Christ. He would just groan. And this man was a man of great exploit. If you find a man of faith, you have found a man of the word. Because faith is born out of the word. And Smith Wigglesworth, his wife died. He raised the wife from the dead. He said, honey, I've missed you. Why, 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 why do you want to leave me to heaven? And his wife said, Yo, you know, I finished my work. Just I have to go. I have to go. I have an assignment in heaven to do. So just release me to go. So, well, if you want to go home, I release you back to heaven in Jesus' name. And she died again. One day, someone had no, someone had no leg. His leg was cut. He met the guy and said, go to the shop and buy a shoe and wear the shoe. He went to the shop, bought a shoe, tried to put it on, and a new leg grew. Now, that's how much he was anointed. One day, he, he visited a friend, and the friend showed him his garden, his farm. And there was this plant disease that had infested the, 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 the flowers and the plant. It, it was blighted. Wigglesworth said, oh, these flowers and these plants are so nice. But the guy was saying, no, this is not how it used to be. He said, don't worry. And he just stretched his hands. Molaba, that's all. All of a sudden, everything came alive. Now, that, that's how much he was anointed. <laughs> and you see, you know his secret. One day he said, everywhere he went, there was a Bible in his pocket. One day he threw a challenge that if you can catch me everywhere without a Bible in my pocket, I'll give you five pounds. Without a needle in my pocket, if you can catch me anywhere without it, I'll give you five pounds. And in those days, five pounds was high. Then one person said, what about if I catch you in your, in your bathroom? And he said, well, if I get you to my bathroom, I'll lock the door. <laughs> <laughs> so you can't catch me there. <laughs> and Wigglesworth knew the Bible so much that he read and read and read. You could sit down with Wigglesworth and he can quote Genesis to Revelation. Word for word. He will quote every punctuation and every, every full stop. That, that's how much he, he read the Bible. Everything. He can start from Matthew 1 and read everything with the punctuations after Revelation 22. He, he read, that's, that's what he did. Everything. He just read the Bible, read, read, read. So he took everything literally. Jesus did it. I can do it. Then he would just act. He was just a man of the word. And he was a man of one book. One day someone asked him, say, how can I have faith like you? He said, first, the blade. Then the corn. Then the fully corn in the year that he went. Ah, it's so strange. <laughs> now he quoted Mark 4, 28 actually. He was talking about the, the process of the growth of the corn. He was saying it takes time. Just blow it up and you get there. But he was a man full of the word. Everything. <laughs> and you know, for him, the word of God is supreme. It doesn't matter who, who, whatever, whoever is saying. One day, someone asked him, can I read to you a message from Charles Spurgeon? Now, Charles Spurgeon was a great preacher. He was called the Prince of Preachers. He, he was a contemporary of Wigglesworth, but when he was older, Wigglesworth was younger. They were all in England. So his friend requested, let me read to you some things um, Spurgeon has written concerning the cross. So the guy was reading, and as he was reading, Wigglesworth just broke down in tears. 
wept and wept. Wow. Wow. He was just seeing a picture of the cross. And as he went on reading, 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 he got to a place where he said, stop. He missed it here. He said, stop. He missed it here. Bring me the Bible. You know what it means? Even if the greatest preacher you admire miss it, you shouldn't follow it. If the Bible is the ultimate. That's what I'm trying to say. <laughs> he said, stop, stop here. He missed it. Bring the Bible. He's just a man of one book, the Bible. George Muller read the Bible hundred times. I like the, the, the look on your face. He, he, he read the Bible hundred times. And after reading the Bible hundred times, he said, oh, I feel better than, I read, than when I read it the first time. That's what he said. I feel better than, than when I read it the first time. Hundred times. That's how come he, that guy emerged a man of faith. Some of the things they do, you attempt to do it, but you cannot. It's not because it is magical. It's just because they give themselves to the word constantly. Because there's no faith outside the word. This is a guy who had orphanage, 9,000 orphans. He was taken care of. He wasn't working. There was a time when there were 2,000. He would just put empty plates before all the children with spoon, with cutlery. And say, close your eyes and let's thank God for our food. There was no food. There was no money to buy food for all the kids. Shall we bless God for our food? And the children were, Father, we thank you for giving us breakfast this morning. Meanwhile, it was just empty plate. And as they are praying, someone knocked the door and said, I couldn't sleep the whole night. The Lord caused me to bake bread for your children. By the time they offload all the bread, someone would just come and say, oh, I'm going to the next village, but the milk is too much. I want to bring it to He experienced miracles for 50 years. The, you know, the word of God became real to them. When he is praying, he would take the Bible and say, Lord, this is what you said. And he would just, he would just, oh. Good God's word to him. Hallelujah. That, that, that was it. One day, Mola met a guy, and a guy was working 17 hours a day. And the guy was breaking his body through stress. And Mola said, Say, you are destroying your life. Cut the time you work. You need to have time for your family. Spend time with your family, and above all, you need to have time with God for God and for the word. The guy said, Even with my 17 hours, I cannot supply enough food for the table. For my family. How can I cut the time short? How will my family survive? And Mullah just smiled and said, Poor you. He doesn't know that if he makes time for the word, God will take care of the rest. Yeah. If you put the word first, God will take care of the rest. I'm telling you. hundred times. There was a great teacher by the name Wachmani. I mean, these guys had church growth movement in their day. In the church in Shanghai was about 50,000, actually. They were so busy. But you know the story of Wachmani? Wachmani read the New Testament once every week. I like the, I like the look on your face. Wachmani read the New Testament once every week. And the Old Testament once every month. Hey! <laughs> Actually, I, I wonder how they could do it. That's, that's amazing. <laughs> that's just amazing. 
Can a Hagen read the New Testament 150 times? Now, in the days of E.W. Kenyon, you will never meet Kenyon in town and just mention any, any verse anywhere and he will tell you where it is. Whether it is a genealogy or anywhere in a, in the New Testament, just quote a verse, just get a hidden verse, hidden somewhere in a, in a hidden, and just say, where, Kenyon will tell you where it is. These were the fit fathers and they were just given to the word. Charles Spurgeon used to study 18 hours a day. He is <laughs> the one who said that it is essential to eat into the very soul of the Bible until at last you come to speak with scriptural language. And your very words are flavored with the words of the Lord. And the very essence of the Bible flows through you. So that your blood becomes Bible-line. Is this your blood can become Bible-line? Even when you sneeze, the scripture's coming up. <laughs> Hallelujah. They give time to the word. It's amazing. Now, in, in the Jewish culture, with the Jewish system of education, now the Jewish knew the word of God. They were, they were so blessed. If, if, in those days, they had three levels of, edu- of education. The first level was called Bet Sefer. Then the second level was called Bet Midrash. The third level was called Bet Talmud. Now, when you are six years, you enter into Bet Sefer, six to twelve, and you memorize Genesis to Deuteronomy, word for word, six to twelve. The Jews. <laughs> Then when you graduate, they, they take the best of the best to the next level. The best midrash. You memorize Joshua to Malachi. Word for word. From 12 to 15. Hey! This is a serious school. <laughs> then when you get to 15, you get to the last level, that's when you become a disciple. And you, you are trained for 15 years to become a rabbi. <laughs> so they were committed to the scriptures. Hallelujah. How many of you are going to be diligent? Let me show you the temptation that comes to it, that will come, that you will face when you start being diligent. Now, the problem is not in how you start. Because when you've heard the word, automatically you love the Lord and you will start. It's not how you start, it's how you maintain it. I'm sure this morning some of you read the Bible like no man's business. <laughs> but you see, it's good to start well, but it's the maintenance that's very important. You see, the word, the opposite word to the, to the word diligent or diligence is the word slothful or slothfulness. If you're not diligent, you're actually slothful. And there's a difference between slothfulness and laziness. There's a difference. 
without diligence, that the problem of diligence is that if you don't keep up the diligence, you enter into slothfulness. And we desire that every one of you do show forth the same diligence to the full assurance of hope unto the end. And being not slothful, but followers of those who through faith and patience inherit the promises. Hebrews 6, 11. Okay, so let's see. See the word slothful here. Let's see verse 11. And we desire that every one of you do show the same diligence. You see, you need the same diligence. That means that the diligence you are beginning with now, you have to keep it same unto the end. That is to say that when you start reading the Bible this week or today or tomorrow, the kind of zeal and attract attention to give it, it should be the same. Because without it, you come to the next level and be not slothful. Because without the diligence, you enter into slothfulness. Now, what does it mean to be slothful? Your greatest challenge is slothfulness. And I'm saying that to be slothful is different from being lazy. The two are different. What does it mean to be slothful? Laziness means that you are just there. Instead of going to work, you are sleeping. But that's not slothfulness. Hmm. Now, the word slothful is from the Greek word nethros. N-E-T-H-R-O-S. Nethros. And nethros actually means... To be dull, to be monotonous and unexciting. That's the first meaning. Dull, monotonous, and un- unexciting. Dull. Now, this is what will happen to you. When you have heard the word concerning all the blessings that come from God's word, the next morning you take the Bible and you have the full zeal and desire. You are reading, Charlie. Charlie, you are so happy. But after one month, the whole thing is becomes unexciting, dull, and monotonous. He sit down and said, Let's don't cry. And now, when you start reading, you start yawning, you start yawning almost aimlessly. You yawn and yawn and yawn. Hey, Rade. Hey, life is war. And you yawn. And he, but a month previously, before, you just, the endlessness and the zeal and the joy. I'm telling you, when you sit on the word, the psalmist said, I rejoice in thy word more than he that findeth a great spoil. <laughs> more than the one who has just found a great treasure. Rejoice in the word. The, your attitude is very, very important. When, when you sit on the word, God. Now, those days in my life, I could just sit by the Bible. I become so excited that I would read a verse and I would leave the Bible and run with my, because of excitement. Out of joy and come back and sit down. Wow, wow, wow. By the time it came in my life, I read and said, Oh, just don't cry. <laughs> it's happening. So you have to actually keep it from happening. Because, you see, the excitement you have in watching Infinity War. <laughs> and some of you are already expecting the, the part two. You can't wait. We're just asking, when is it coming? <laughs> the excitement you have in watching Game of Thrones. <laughs> <laughs> you can sit down and watch. 
you cast sleep is comes sleep you cannot you cannot touch me <laughs> so I will not give sleep to my eyes nor slumber to my eyelids until I finish this whole series <laughs> all night <laughs> Korean series Korean drama When you leave work and you are going home, the kind of anticipation and joy you have to go and watch that is half less than zeal and the joy and the expectation you have in sitting by the Bible. How many of you can confirm that? Yeah. Because if I check your external hard drive, the movies, the current movies. <laughs> Make sure you don't, you don't get to that place where the word is unexciting, where it, is, it has become monotonous. Now, the second definition of the word slothful, nephros, means something that has lost its speed or the speed and the, the momentum it once had. Loosen the speed and the mo- momentum you once had. Now, that something is moving. The thing is moving, moving all right. But it has lost the velocity and the aggression it once had. So if your speed was 180 kilometers per hour, now your speed is 30 kilometers per hour. So you are still on the road, but with the velocity, the aggression, the speed you once had is lost. Every believer is in love with Jesus and we know that the word of God is our life and is the food to the soul. So almost every one of us, we always, we are on the word by and by. But, so you are not lazy. But the challenge is, you may be slothful. Because the endlessness you began with, the new year resolution you made concerning the Bible. (laughs) You made the resolution and you prayed and you swore to your head that this time around, it's going to happen. But somewhere in the midst of the years. <laughs> somewhere when you go to February. Sometimes February is too long, I'm telling you. <laughs> you got back to where you were the previous year. And sometimes you even get less. I was <laughs> And Nethros speaks of a candle that used to burn brightly, but now it has become dim. So our greatest challenge is to fight, like, fight against slothfulness. We have to keep the same diligence. The same diligence. It, it happens. It happens. Sometimes I want to read the Bible like an accountant. Mark every word. But after a while, you become so busy. You are in a hurry. You cannot make precious time for that. But you see, you have to excuse your excuses. Because most excuses are irresponsible excuses. Avalanche of excuses, they are proofs of our pride. And as much as you have time to eat three hot meals a day to nourish your body, you should have time to nourish your soul. You, you can't say you have no time for the Bible, but you have time to eat. If you have time to eat, then you have time to eat the word. The word must nourish your soul as food nourishes your body. Hallelujah. I pray that you cast sloth away and you speed speed thy work.
It was a hymn by Wesley. Cast sloth away. Cast it away. Your greatest enemy is slothfulness. Because to lose your velocity and aggression, to become unexciting and monotonous, the joy you have towards the word, it becomes dim. That's what you have to fight against. I'm telling you, if you can keep your diligence eh, in one year, you become a wonder. In one year, you, be, you become a wonder in the realm of the spirit. Faith comes alive. In one year, your language will change. Instead of complaining, you start praising. Instead of comparing with each other, you are steadfast. Hallelujah. Change is coming in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. You know, the psalmist said, Oh, how love I thy law. It is my meditation all the day. Psalm 119 verse 97. And, and I envy the psalmist. How can you? It is my meditation all the day. Psalm 119 verse 97. So the whole day he was meditating. How can he meditate all the day? Then the same psalmist said, Mine eye prevented the night watches that I might meditate in thy word. That is 148. Psalm 119 verse 148. Mine eyes prevent the night. You know the night watches? A watch is a period of three hours. Six to nine is a watch. Nine to twelve is a watch. Twelve to three is, is another watch. Then so there were is it four watches in the night. So he said, My eye prevented the night watches. And the night watches begins from 6 p.m. to 6 a.m. That means the psalmist was saying that he meditated on the word for 12 hours. That's what he's saying. <laughs> you should do that. You should try and have a personal half night with the word. Prophet Achimanasa will sometimes have a word fast. That means he will fast and read the Bible the whole day. When you fast and read the Bible, something happens to you. Something actually happens to you. Ross' wife told me that ah, she wake up at midnight and Prophet will be holding the Bible this way. And he'll be weeping. Weeping. And he'll go like, hey, what has this man seen and he's weeping? This Bible we all read. We all read and we don't weep. What has he seen and he's weeping? So the man will be weeping. And he see. Just weeping, and you feel like, wow, this man has seen God. What is wrong with me? I read and read and nothing. My eyes are still dry. <laughs> Hallelujah. Bishop Wade said something. Someone asked him, How do you remember the, the scriptures like that? How do you remember the verses? You know the answer he gave? He said, As poor as a man's memory is, he cannot forget the food he ate yesterday. <laughs> What did you eat yesterday? Rice and what? Rice and steel. At what time? Around 12. How about you? Banquin. Granola Gan- soup. Wow. I envy, I, I envy you. <laughs> how about you? Rice and steel. Wow. Let me go further. How, how about you? Rice and steel. Rice and steel. Board plantain. And still, wow. I, I thought of that, that choir, you've, you've been given a prescription to eat rice and still to give a nice voice. I thought that was a secret. So you see, you can all remember what you, as poor as a man's memory is, he, he will not forget what he ate yesterday. And, and that challenged me. You know, this man, you know what he's taking care of. He's so, you cannot be busier than him. You cannot be busier than him, yet 
You cannot use business as an excuse for not sitting on the word and eating the word. You cannot be as busy as Bishop Oedipo. He is so busy. But he made a statement that shocked me. He said that my mind is free. There are a few things I, I think about. I give most of my mind to the scriptures. I cannot forget the word because there are a few things I think about. And I give most of my mind to the word. I was shocked. He said it himself. So the things must be true. <laughs> but we are so busy. I'm telling you the time to make time for the word is now. No. You are going to be more busier tomorrow than today. But, so if you build a solid foundation today, I'm telling you, tomorrow will be easier. It will be easier. Hallelujah. Okay, the next. How do I study the Bible? This is a question people always ask me. How do I study the Bible? Last two weeks, a pastor told me that he doesn't know how to study the Bible. The pastor told him that he doesn't know how to study the Bible. He doesn't know. If, if he reads the Bible, he, he doesn't understand. So he doesn't even read it at all. So for the pastor, the man of God, can you help me to? This is a pastor. How I can study the Bible. If the shepherd says that, then the sheep... <laughs> <laughs> if the shepherd doesn't know how to gather grass then, then how would a sheep feed praise God now the first step that, that I'm giving you some let me just try and help you pastor is here to help you more but one thing I've learned is that if you want to read the Bible daily you have to read it sequentially not selectively Sequentially, sequentially, not selectively. No, there are people who do selective reading of the Bible. I've done some before in the past. How do you do selective reading of the Bible? This is my Bible. They go like, Lord, what do you have for me this morning? Dear Lord, I look, I look to thee. I know you have food, bread for me this morning. Fresh manna. Dear Lord, please speak to me. In Jesus' name. Amen. Now. <laughs> now, one day, this is what I did. I, I prayed like this and just opened randomly. And I found a verse. Woe unto your mother. Hey! Woe unto your mother. Somewhere in Jeremiah, I got, I got disturbed. I closed the Bible. I said, hey, what has my mother done? And I was wondering what my mother had done. What has my mother done? And I couldn't, couldn't read the Bible again. Now, when you open randomly, you will never be satisfied. Because you may find a verse in Nahum, this thing grammar doesn't mean. You may find another verse, if you like, God is not speaking, maybe God is, and you may turn and turn and turn before you realize 30 minutes is over. And you don't really know what God wants to tell you, and you go away. Hallelujah. He opened about randomly, and he read, and Judas hanged himself. 
Lord, what are you telling, telling me this morning? What are you telling me this morning? So you close it and you open again. So do likewise. So Lord, can this be from you? Lord, give me another confirmation. Lord, I beseech thee, give me another confirmation. What did that do? It do immediately. Lord, I don't think this is from you, Lord. <laughs> Lord, how can this be from you, Lord? Lord, give me one last confirmation. To obey is better than sacrifice. <laughs> So sequential reading is, so this is selective, but sequential reading is taken from, reading from book to book. Now, it is, it is good to read the Bible once every year. If it's too much, you can do it once in two years. It's very good. And it's not difficult. If you can read four chapters a day, you finish the Bible in one year. I'm telling you, if we're a leader here, you should be able to do it. If you read four chapters a day, you finish before the year ends. Yeah. That's sequential reading. But if it's too much for you, you can read two chapters a day and you finish in two years. If two chapters is good for you, please do it. You are not in competition with anybody. The most important thing is that the word will stick in your heart. You are not in a race to... One of the great temptations that will come to you is that, hey, you have to finish in a year. So you are just reading to make for the time to beat the record, but you are, you are not being nourished. So what is important is that it's what you are getting from the word. So if it is one, two chapters or one chapter, it's okay. Praise the Lord. But if you do four chapters, you finish in a year. And how do you do it? You don't just start from Genesis to Revelation. You get discouraged, you stop. Maybe you have attempted before, you stop. How many of you have experienced that before? You stop somewhere. In fact, you go through Genesis because of the stories. It's so nice. But when you close Genesis to Exodus, <laughs> you cross the story of Moses. Nice. You get somewhere into all of these sacrifices and all, all of these stuffs. You persevere, yeah, you get to Leviticus West. So most people get stuck in Leviticus. And they said, let's just find some stories in Matthew. <laughs> to enjoy ourselves. <laughs> Why? This whole business, this thing cry. Why? Why should they be written? Why? <laughs> Don't go there. So, you can start with full zeal trying to read Genesis to Revelation. Don't do that. If you try to do that, you never, it means that you touch the New Testament in September. When you begin from January. You touch the New Testament in September. So, you don't do that. So, you read both new and old together. And I'm not going to give you any method. Because methods works. It's not just the method. It's, it's the man's diligence. Normally, when we talk about how to study the Bible, we give you so many methods. I don't, I don't do that. I can, I can suggest, suggest. It's not in the method, it's in the man. We don't touch the man, the diligence, the discipline, what he needs to make it. 
You can have all the best methods in the world and it will not work. So some may choose to read two chapters in the, in the old, two chapters in the new. Some may choose three chapters in the old, one chapter in the new. Yeah. But you see, I know some people who also read the Bible once a year and the New Testament twice. You can do that in a year. It's not difficult. I've done that from 2001. I got that, that I got understanding in 2001. So I read the Bible once every year from 2001. Once every year. Oh, listen. Everyone can do it. I can tell you, I, I had a lot of failures and I learned from it. Because when you are reading, you have to read both extensive and intensive. Now, first, reading is very important because in 1 Timothy 4.13, Paul told Timothy, till I come, give attendance to reading, to exhortation, and to doctrine. The first time I met Prophet Edem, that's what I told him. Can you imagine? 2007, I met him first. He asked me a question, I forgot, and I just told him, till I come, give attendance to reading, to exhortation, and doctrine. And I went my way. <laughs> Spiritual. <laughs> You see, in those days, Timothy will come and read large portions of the Bible t- to their hearing because the ch- they never had Bibles individually. The church, they didn't have the Bible. They didn't have the Bible. So, as, as a part of the church service, it was a custom for them to read large portions of what Paul had written them and what they had, large portions. So, they read to their hearing. He read and they will hear and they will hear and they will just take hold of it and go and live with what they've heard. So, we are blessed. Far more than them. We can know the Bible than the first century saints. They didn't have the Bible. They had to they just read and they heard it. What they had was the Old Testament. But with the new, they were living the new. So Timothy had to read for, to their hearing. Then they would go. And live by what they've heard until the next Sunday. Hey. But we have it on our laptop, on our phones, everywhere. The Bible is chasing you everywhere. So you have to give time. The first thing is reading. In studying, you have to be able to read through. Because that's the foundation for studying and meditation. I'm telling you, when I began to read through the Bible, then I realized that, yeah. You see, sometimes you think you have revelation. Then you get to read somewhere and say, oh, Charlie, Charlie, I've made a mistake. It will give you a holistic view. Because what you think there is, as you read through the rest of the books, you have a very holistic view about what the subject is and you're going to be blessed you're going to be blessed hallelujah now you don't just read the next level first you read then you study you see reading is extensive studying is intensive your approach to the bible must not just be extensive wise it must also be intensive wise because you know there was a time in my life i was just reading I was still feeling empty because I was not making time for the individual verses to meditate upon. Then I stopped. And I began taking individual verses so I could meditate upon them. And I was being nourished, but after a while, I was still feeling dry. Because, now, now, two ways. Some of you have had that kind of experience. You're only reading, you're happy, but you feel like something is lacking because you're not going deeper with individual scriptures. 
Then you stop reading and you come to individual scriptures. You are meditating. But a time comes, you feel that, no, there's something also lacking. You are still not reading extensive. So you, you, need, you need both to go both intensive-wise and extensive-wise. So first of all, every day, you must have a sequential way of reading. Maybe you start from Genesis today. You know where you're going to follow. So every morning, you know where you're continuing. That's the reading plan. Then, how do you get intensive? Every one of you needs to have a, a book. I'm telling you, if you, from tomorrow, if you don't have, you need a special strong book for your personal Bible study. Not a jotal. You know, the books I wrote in, some of the books in, the, in 99 are still around. And I go through and I go like, wow, so I wrote this. No, you see, you have to write your own commentary. Or you have to get a Bible. Now, I know that you have soft copy, had the digital Bibles, but it's, it's still not enough. That's why I brought my Bible to church today. <laughs> when I took my Bible, Prophet Adam was wondering, ah, this man, what is he taking this Bible to do? <laughs> you see, so that you need a Bible with a wide margin. When you read and you are blessed with what you are reading, or God gives you insight into the verse you are reading, you can just write it by the side of the margin. You can just write it beside it. Or you can take your book and just write it in it, in it. write the date and write what God has taught you in that verse in it. And if you do it consistently for five years, my love, she you can imagine the kind of books you'll be writing in the future. They are all from these materials. The things we are preaching today is our actually from our quiet times. The things we study personally, daily. That's what we preach. Pastor will tell you. So your diligence must be from the time you spend with God. And you have to write. Because sometimes you get wild, wonderful understanding. Just write it down. Just write it down. Hallelujah. And you need other versions to compare. If you're a King James Version, King James Version person like me, you need other, like Amplify and other versions to help you understand the individual verses. Or you need a very good Bible, like the Bible I'm holding now. I've used many Bibles, but in my estimation, this is the best Bible in the world to me. The dick. The dick. In fact, Benihin says the dick is the best Bible in the world. Because this Bible is expensive. I think this is 200 cities or something like that. But, you know, those days, when, when, I, when I, I saw the, the dick Bible, many, many years ago, as a student, many, many years ago, someone gave me money to go and pay my school fees. I used to, used to go and buy the dick. Now, I'm not saying go and use your fees to pay the dick. To buy, buy, buy. I didn't know how to pay my fees and someone just blessed me money to pay my fees. I said, no, I just heard of this Bible. I want to just purchase it. Hey, I was so happy. I read and read. I just read. I devoured dick. If I sneeze dick, if I cough dick. <laughs> and they could tell you the Greek and the Hebrew words behind almost all the words. And it's just wonderful. Because you need, I ask you, you need a study Bible. And there are many wonderful study Bibles that are not, in our times, it's not popular. 
But then, even as a student, you want to go for study Bible. <laughs> you, you want to go for Thompson Chain Reference Bible. You want to go for full life application. You want to go for these things. And it's so powerful. Hallelujah. So, you need it. That is why he says, he used the word diligence. It's hard work. Diligence. But you must, you can do it enjoyably every morning. Just the little time you have. You read, you are blessed. Wow. Just write what blessed you. Just put it down. And as you are reading, there are things you, you don't understand. Just mark it. If you don't have time, come another time and plan your time well to just try and search what that thing means. That verse you don't understand what it means. After doing everything, if you cannot find it, just find a leader or a pastor and ask, what actually is this? Praise God. Hallelujah. It's powerful. Your life will be changed. Then, so as you read, as you read through, there are some verses you should memorize. How many of you love to memorize scripture? You see, you don't have to memorize scriptures. You should make it so simple. Sometimes I see people, they want to memorize scriptures and they go and take the book of Romans. And they want to memorize the whole book of Romans in one day or in three days. And they do it, then they forget everything. That's not how to do it. As you read the Bible, your ordinary routine, there are some verses that naturally excite you. Wow! You see, your heart gets excited with that verse. Charlie, you, 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 you can't you, you just see yourself jumping. The verse just tells you, embrace me, embrace me. The, the verse seems to jump out of the pages of the, of the Bible to embrace you. The verse is trying to say, memorize me, eat me, eat me, eat me. You can put that verse down, I'm telling you, and go over and learn it. <laughs> Praise God. Yeah. That's one way to memorize verses. But if the verse doesn't bless you, don't try and memorize it. Don't try. You waste your time. Or if you check your life and uh, maybe there is a, there's an area in your life that you are challenged. Let's say anger. You lose your temper easily. Get verses that address temper. That's it. I did that. I found myself becoming angry unnecessarily. Then I just went to, the, to memorize scriptures concerning anger. Then I stumbled on Ecclesiastes 7 verse 9. Be not hasty in thy spirit to be angry, for anger resteth in the bosom of fools. Hey! That verse... Just by reading that, that verse alone, the spirit of anger left me. <laughs> because anger resteth in the bosom. So I'm not a fool. <laughs> It's good to be angry, but don't let the anger rest. Don't give the anger a resting place. Hallelujah. So, like love, you feel that offenses, your heart is so filled with offenses. This week, take scriptures that addresses offenses. and It will be easy to memorize at that time, because that's what you are challenged with. Hallelujah. And you'll be blessed. You'll be blessed. Now, to, to be a good Bible student, you have to keep records well. Get the books. The first verse I memorized on the 15th of November, 1999. 
Isaiah 49 verse 15. I wrote it down and that book is still with me. That book is still with me. <laughs> and, and I carried the book wherever I went. Diligence. You, you should be hungry enough. In, in those days, we're taught to memorize one verse a day, but now it's almost like impossible. But in those days, it was easy. So this is when you say it, it's like you're a superhero, but you're not. They will say it's a gift. Hey! But when you are doing it, you know it's not a gift. <laughs> <laughs> but after that, when it start blessing you, people say it's a gift. Anyway, it's still the grace of God because, <laughs> hallelujah. But you can do it. Bless you. It so I have the book, 15 November 1999. I tried memorizing scriptures and I stopped. Now, after secondary school, I just felt like I should memorize scriptures. 1998. I went and I took some verses to memorize. Within two weeks, I tried and I was so happy. And we fasted and tried to memorize the verses. After the fasting, long fast, after the fasting, when the fast was over, I couldn't remember anything I memorized. In fact, I couldn't even remember, remember the book, much more the verse. I couldn't remember one word. So I told myself, me and memorization, we are enemies. So on the 15th of November, 1999, I was in a car, STC. We're chasing after uh, what, what was the name of that? Admissions at KNUST. So, as I was in the SDC bus coming, it just dawned on me to memorize scripture. 15 November 1999. And I did it every day for the next one year and I've memorized 1,000 verses. Then I did it in the year 2000 to 2001. I did another 1,000 verses. And 2001 to 2002, I did another 1,000 verses. 2002 to 2003, I did another 1,000 verses. The next year, another. Th- okay, let me stop. Hallelujah. <laughs> Yeah, so I was, that's what I was doing. Now, if you, now you can have 10 minutes a day. Now, if you take 10 minutes a day to memorize, let's say, one verse in Galatians or, Philipp, or, or Ephesians, 10 min, minutes a day to just meditate and memorize. You can use 10 minutes a day to meditate and memorize just a verse. If you do that consistently, you can finish Ephesians in six months and Galatians in six months. You can finish Philippians in four months. You can finish Hebrews in 12 months. You can finish John in 18 months. In fact, you can finish the major part of the New Testament in four years. So I did the whole of Ephesians, the whole of Galatians, the whole of Hebrews, the whole of Philippians. I memorized all these books. And at that time, I was homeless. So I go and sit in a bush and read. I was homeless. But you have to comfort someone say, look at what someone is saying. (laughs) But you have your comfortable bed with air conditioning. And you can memorize one verse. Why? Why? Ask your neighbor why. (laughs) (laughs) Hallelujah. Yeah. So, study to show thyself approved unto God. Now, let's come to the word approved unto God. Now, understand that when you study, you are not showing yourself approved unto man. For them to see how much scriptures you can quote. For them to see how much word you have. No, 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 no. If you do that, you are disapproving yourself. You study to present yourself to God. For God to approve you. And it's, I was, I gave my, when I was reading the Bible once a year, I, I, didn't even know I, was, I didn't even know I was going to preach actually. I was just enjoying God. Wow, wow. 
God. Wow. I never thought I would even one day have confidence to stand before crowd and quote. No, 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 no. I'm just doing it because of the love of God. So, the motive is very important. If your motive is to become approved to men, for them to see you as someone who is knowledgeable in the word, then you have begun wrongly. Actually, we don't pursue knowledge. We pursue the Lord. If you pursue knowledge, you miss it. You may even enter into heresy. You become like the Athenians. You're always wanting to say something new or to hear something new. That is not Christianity. Ever learning and never able to come to the knowledge of the truth. No. Knowledge brings us to Jesus to hold him. Knowledge is part of Christ. So don't seek for something that is part of him. Seek for him. And as we seek him, knowledge will be part of you. And that knowledge will not be ordinary knowledge, scholastic and agnostic. It will be the experimental knowledge of life. It's a knowledge that transforms the heart. Praise God. And you see, I advise people that you see, there are books to read. Sometimes we are attracted to read so many books because a lot of books can explain the Bible to us. Not so. That's powerful, but that shouldn't be our foundation. Your attention to, to the Bible must be higher than books. I know people, they started with the Bible, then they put it aside and got into books. Books, 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 and, and they forgot about the Bible. And they started saying wild things. So you don't do that. Paul told Timothy that the cloak which I left in Troas with Capus, bring with, with thee. And the books, but especially the parchment. <laughs> because the parchment, I, I like what the Bible said, especially. The parchment was actually the Old, Old Testament. The parchment was, was the Old Testament. And so, Paul, even in his old age, told Timothy, that Charlie, bring the books, bring my cloak, but especially the parchment. Because the parchment had the Old Testament. Hallelujah. You know, if you are thirsty and you drink Coke, <laughs> if you are thirsty and you want to use Coke to quench your thirst, what happens? The work is still not done. And you keep drinking Coke, Coke, Coke. Still, you see, the books we read is not the, the breath of God. The breath of God is the Bible. The Bible is the breath of God. The Bible is what gives us faith. Books cannot give you faith. Books give you a passion for faith. The word of God gives you faith. Reading about Smetuglesworth or reading about Jaco will not give you faith. It will stir a deep passion for faith. But what will give you faith is the word because it's the word we act on to have faith. Study to show the word approved. My, approved is very important. Approved. is a Greek word, dokimos. Dokimos. D-O-K-I-M-O-S. Dokimos. And the word means qualified. Qualified. Now, Paul used a word at, at dokimos. Now, when you, you add A to the dokimos, one day Paul said, I beat, I keep under my body, or I buffet my body and bring it under subjection. First Corinthians 9.27. Lest after I have preached the gospel to others, I myself will be a cast away. The word cast away is adokimos. If you take the A from that word, it becomes a dokimos. Adokimos. A is not. Not qualified. To be discredited. You see, cast away is adokimos. But we have to be approved of God. And the word is dokimos. So if you add A to dokimos, you get the word adokimos. Paul is saying that after all that he did for Jesus, he could, 
though he saved and he get to heaven on that day, after all that he had done for Jesus, he could lose all the reward. So he is just saved like the thief on the cross. But all that he did for Jesus and all that he suffered is repudiated. It can happen. Look at the things Paul did. The churches Paul founded. Look at the sufferings of Apostle Paul. Look at the churches. Look at the convent. Look at, look at his faith. Look at his consecration. He said he could have lost everything. And use the word cast away. Cast away doesn't mean he's going to hell. No. Cast away means he will lose all the reward. And be disapproved. All that he did in ministry, God would disapprove him. Hmm. So, there's Adokimos and Dokimos. The Bible said, study to show themselves approved unto God. That means that it is the way that approves us. The only way we can secure our eternal rewards on that day is to hold on to the word. As it is. As it is. Because without the word, without, without holding on to the word, all that you are here today, all that you are singing, laboring for the, you may be disqualified. So it's the word, the pure word that, that, that actually keeps us and keeps our eternal rewards and inheritance. Not only in heaven, but for God to approve us, even now, the next phase of our ministry and what we are doing for God, we have to be approved by the word. Jesus of Nazareth, a man approved of God by signs, by wonders and miracles, which God did by, by him. Acts 2, 2 verse 22. So you need divine approbation even now for God to take you approve you of your next level you have to be approved and that approbation comes by the word okay let me take you somewhere to bring you back for us to understand take me to the book of first Corinthians 4 verse 2 let's start from verse 1 let a man so account of us as the ministers of Christ and stewards of the mysteries of God see I'm a steward of the mysteries of God what it means is that God has made you a manager of his word. The next verse. Moreover, it is required in stewards that a man be found faithful. I pray that we all be faithful stewards in Jesus' name. Faithful stewards. A steward is a house manager in those days. Someone who manages a house, manages everything in the house. The furniture, the finances, the people who live in the house. That's a steward. But the word was also used for a court official or a public officer. And a steward also meant the minister of state or the administrator of the city. You know, Paul's team had wonderful people. One of Paul's team members was called Erastus, the chamberlain. One time Paul wrote in Corinth, he says, Erastus, the chamberlain of the city. He was sending his regards. Erastus, the chamberlain of the city. The word chamberlain means steward. He was the chamberlain of the city of Corinth. Like he was the minister of the city of Corinth. That's what he was saying. The word Chamberlain. And, and, and this guy was the minister of state. And uh, he was a Chamberlain. But he was holding Paul's back. Can you see the minister of this region? And Pastor T is coming to preach. And he takes Pastor Otis back. And takes his tablet. Come and put it down. And takes his, his armor bearer. Is the minister. They, they understood ministry. And the guy was good because Corinth, according to history, after Sodom, the place of the highest sexual immorality was Corinth. 
In fact, there was a term in those days, if, if we say someone is someone has Corinthian eyes, it means that the person is living in gross, hyper, immoral life. Yeah, to Corinthian eyes was a term for top, top, top gross immorality. Yeah, and this guy was still the minister of that place. Can't imagine. So nothing wrong with becoming a minister of Ashanti region if we're in this church. But that doesn't mean you go and compromise and still do ministry. What it means is that if you are an usher here and tomorrow you are promoted to become a bank manager, you can't say that from today on, my status has changed. How can I still sweep this church? How can I still sweep this church? No, no, no. That, that's not an attitude, attitude for God's kingdom. And this guy impacted Corinth so much that even in the ancient ruins of Corinth, they found a slab, a marble slab, and on it was written, Erastus, the Chamberlain of Corinth. <laughs> that's how impactful he was. Hallelujah. Moreover, it is required. Let me show you something so we will give our highest attention to the word. It is required. Say required. Now, this word required is a forensic thing. It's legal. It's the word Z-E-T-E-U. Z-E-T-E-U. And it means judicial investigation. Scientific investigation. <laughs> the word required here in the Greek speaks of an exhaustive, concentrated, intense, and thorough investigation. Like, like the one they do with uh, is it MI-16 and these investigative bodies, they will search the matter to the utmost farthing. It's King James language. They will just, like you go to the court and you have to defend, defend that the land is yours. Hmm. Hey! You have to prove all the points in the world. And the surface investigation is not tolerated. You have to go down to the matter. Deep, deep, deep down. Now this verse is telling us that. Let me show you what God is doing. This verse implies that God, eh, God is making a concentrated, exhaustive, intense, thorough research to find out those who will be faithful. Now, moreover, it is required in stewards that a man be found faithful. Say found. Let me show you the meaning of the word found. The meaning of the word found is someone who watches someone for a long time to make the final conclusion of who the person is. Someone who is watching over something for a long time, then he makes his final conclusion of his findings. Now, if you put it together, the word faithful means reliable and dependable. What God is doing is that all of us want to be, to be promoted as an also. We want to get to the next phase of life, the next phase of ministry. We want to do well. I mean, we want God to order. We have wild dreams. But this verse is that what God is doing is that God is making a thorough research. God is just watching over you, all that you are doing. He watches you when you come to church. The attitude of which you come to church. How you didn't come to church, he's watching. How you respond to the word, he's watching. Now, I'm not saying God hates you, no. But he's watching. How you respond to people, he's watching. 
How you respond to pressure, he's watching. How you treat people, he's watching. He's watching your actions and your reactions. Just watching. He gave you the word, but he's watching whether the word has place in you at this time. What do you have given him to the word? He's just watching. And God is not making a surface research, a surface investigation. He's making a concentrated, <laughs> exhaustive. He, he's, he's watching you. He's watching. Your attitude towards the word. How you read the word. My son is slothful. He's just watching. When you are slothful, how are you going to pick up again? When you are offended, how are you going to respond to offense? Now, in the in this secular world, if an, an employer wants to promote an employee, does he just promote anybody at all? No. There are certain things he watches to promote the person. Even with we, 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 we human beings, if we have our required standards, we expect the person to come to that place before they promote the person. How much more Almighty God? How much more the service of Almighty God? And he watches them. He promotes you. Hallelujah. Yeah. It's like what I said yesterday. So we see our next phase in, the, in, the, in, in, in promotion depends on how we handle the word. Now God wants to take you to the next realm and God sees you and says, you are not ready. Not ready. My daughter is not ready. It's not ready. The way you respond to pressure. Someone says one negative thing about your life and your, your whole life is you enter into emotional coma for three days. Someone said your head is as big as a mountain. But look, look into the mirror and see your head is just like a molehill. And because the person said your head is just as big as a mountain, for three days you've you entered into emotional coma and Jesus resurrected from the dead after three days. And after three days, you cannot rise. <laughs> Hallelujah. See, it's my time. It is required. Please, God is just watching us to take us to the next level. And I want you to respond to the word in Jesus' name. The word approved, you know, dokimos. Dokimos is where we get the word dokimazo. 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 Turn with me to the book of First Thessalonians 2 verse 4. But we are allowed of God to be put in, in trust with the gospel. Even so we speak, not as pleasing men, but God which trieth our hearts. The word God which trieth our heart is the same word where we get the word approved of God. Hmm. Study to show thyself approved of God is where we get the word trieth. This word trieth actually is the word for test. God tests our hearts. He says before God can entrust the gospel into our hands, he has, he has to test our heart. You know how he does it? He tests us. Now, when God tests you, what does he want to see? Now, if I'm testing you, it means there are some certain things I want to see. So, if God is testing you, then what does he want to see? Because he's Alpha and Omega. He, foreknows, he already knows your future. When God puts you into a test, he's not seeking to see anything. He wants you to see you. He wants you to see yourself. You know, Christian maturity, for you to be matured, you have to see how weak you are. For you to become matured, you have to see how foolish you are. 
You know, <laughs> the world will just expose. God wanted to see, to see you because sometimes we are too proud. You know why God couldn't use Moses? Because he was too wise. And number two, he was too strong. And number three, he could speak so well. So God couldn't use him. God couldn't use Moses because the guy, he could speak too well. That's why in Acts 7, the Bible says he was mighty in words. He was eloquent. So God couldn't use him. The guy was too wise. The Bible says he was learned in all the wisdom of the Egyptians. All the seven mysteries of the Egyptian wisdom, he learned all of them. Then the guy was the military leader of the, of the Egyptian army, according to history. He was too strong, so God couldn't use him. The guy, he was the most qualified, wise, eloquent, and strong. God couldn't use him. God couldn't use him. <laughs> then, the greatest tragedy that can ever befall a man is for him to succeed before he's ready. Moses succeeded, but he was not ready. God pushed him to the desert for another 40 years. After 40 years, he said, Lord, I cannot speak. But it was recorded that he was mighty in words. After 40 years, he said, who am I to go before Pharaoh? He has lost confidence in himself. That is when God said, it's not ready for me to use you. <laughs> so, you know, sometimes we trust ourselves too much. The more you grow in Christ, the more you see how weak you are. You see that you, you are nothing. So the Holy Ghost makes you to see how nothing you are. Then he makes you to see the fullness of Christ. So you lose confidence in yourself and you put that confidence in Christ. It's not enough to lose confidence in yourself. That one is another kind of foolishness. But you lose confidence in yourself and you place that confidence in Christ. And now God tries us. And the word dokimazo, now I'm showing you what the word does with us. Hmm. Dokimazo is where we get the word dokimazo. And it speaks of, you know, in those days, the way they determined, they, they, they distinguished or they determined false coin from a counterfeit coin was through a refining process, taking the whole thing through a fire, a, a, a fire finance, hot blazing finance. There are two coins in your hands. One is impure, one is counterfeit, but the other one is genuine, but you cannot see the difference. The difference, to see the difference, you have to take it through fire. And there were three levels of heating processes, three heating processes. The first level had a certain degree of temperature. That's a dokimazo. Then the second level, then the third level. Then all the impurities are taken out. Then the coin is perfectly refined. Hallelujah. Yeah. So what it means is that sometimes before the refining processes, if you put the two coins together, even the coin that has impurities, you never see it because the impurities are hidden from our naked eyes. The metal seems solid and strong. You can see that, oh, there's nothing wrong with this, with, with this, with this metal. Yet, there are impurities you cannot see with your naked eye. Sometimes you see a man of God, this man of God, oh, this guy is ready, he's good. This guy is fit for the nations. That's what you see. But you have no idea the avalanche of impurities sitting in him. Now, God takes time to refine us through his word. <laughs> Hallelujah. You cannot see anyone is ready. You cannot even tell yourself you are ready. <laughs> now, you cannot even approve yourself that, oh, I'm, this is my time. This is my time. You can. <laughs> because Hallelujah. So God and that's the word approved. That is the word approved. So the, the approval of God is that 
the word now refines you. Takes the impurities. Because if the impurities are still in that metal, after a while, there will be a crack or a breaking. And that thing is exposed. So if you step ahead of time, you think you are ready. Before you realize, we are reading a newspaper. Look at what this man of God has done. That impurity was, had been hidden all along, but he jumped class three to class six in God's school of obedience. You see, instead of going through class four and class five, class three, he jumped to class six, and he couldn't resist the temptation in class six, so he fell. That's why, in his wisdom, he takes time for God to raise us. Process. The word must approve us. The word is, is, is a refining element. The Bible says the word of the Lord are pure words. As a silver purified in the finance of the earth. It purified seven times. The word of God. Until the time his word came, the word of the Lord tried him. Psalm 105 verse 19. The Bible speaks of Jesus, but who may abide the day of his coming and when, who shall stand when he, he appeareth. He is like the fullest soap and he is like the, like the refinest fire. The Bible said he will sit and purify the sons of Le- Levi as a silver is purified. Jesus is the word of God. Malachi 3 verse 2 and 3. And we allow the word to cleanse us. That's how we are approved. The word must have place in our heart for us to be approved. You are not approved unto men, approved unto God. Hallelujah. For instance, if the word has no place in you, the devil can even condemn you. Condemnation. But if you know who you are in Christ, you don't give room to condemnation. The devil can smuggle some sicknesses in your body. You hold on to the word, and by the word, you prevail. It refines your character. It builds you up. You become glorious. Hallelujah. May the word have its place in you. That is why you cannot skip a day. Because you don't know what you read that will help what you have been struggling all along. One day I was preaching, and after the, two weeks after the preaching, someone called me and said, man of God, as we were preaching, a spirit left me. I said, why? What, what, does, what, are, you, what are you saying? He said, I've been masturbating for 14 years. And I'm, I masturbate five times a day. Because of my master's degree in masturbation, I failed my GSS exams. I failed my SS exams because even when the teacher is teaching, I'm doing it. Because I have to keep the five times. Every day. So someone can be very regular in masturbating. Like the way Muslims pray five times a day. <laughs> that is diligence without slothfulness. <laughs> diligence, 14 years without slothfulness. Can you imagine? <laughs> so as I was preaching, and just hearing the word of God, the thing left him. So he called me that after two weeks, he's forgotten that he has been masturbating. He remembered after two weeks. Can you imagine? That's the power of God. He's free. Sometimes when you open up the Bible, you know, it, the Bible has the breath of God, as I explained yesterday. As you read, those spirits are just leaving you. Healings. Something just happening to you. Now, when I sit on the Bible, I just sit on the Bible, and after one hour, I feel the anointing welling up. I get the same effect if I pray for a long time in, 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 in tongues, and I read the Bible for a long time. I get the same effect. I get the same effect. You read it, you come out, and you are another man. 
Hallelujah. You are just joyful. You, you are just that joy. Because you have not experienced that, you are not encouraged to get to the Bible. That is why you have to experience the glory so you can ever go back. The glory will just always pull you back to experience what you once experienced. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. May the word refine you so you can be approved. Steady to show yourself approved unto God. A workman that needed not to be ashamed. You don't need to be ashamed. Tell your neighbor you don't need to be ashamed. When you meet a Jehovah Witness and he's proven to you that Jesus is not God, but Jesus is, Jesus is Archangel Michael, the Jehovah Witnesses believe that Jesus is an, is an angel. What will you say? So prove that Jesus is God. What will you do? You don't need to be ashamed. You're a workman. If you meet a Muslim in your class and a Muslim is saying that Jesus is a prophet, he's not a son of God, what will you say? One day there was a public debate and they called a man of God come and contest with a Muslim who says that Jesus is not God. Hey! And when the Muslim took the stage, he began quoting Matthew 1 verse 1. He quoted all the gene- genealogy of Jesus. Hey! And we're just putting our things together and confusing the whole thing and proving that Jesus is not God. And they called a man of God to come and put his defense. When the man of God came, he had nothing to say. He just tried to say something, but he couldn't. He said, okay, if you are for Muslim, if you are Muslim, if you don't believe that Jesus is God, it can go your way. If you also believe that Jesus is God, it can also go your way. That is it. Let's close. <laughs> <laughs> it was at a stadium, actually. And people wanted to hear. Now, I'm not saying you should do that. Of course, you need to, whether you can explain or not, you need the revelation of Jesus is. Whether you, if you lose a debate, that doesn't make Jesus not God. But better still, you have to know your Bible. Because there are some people who are seeking genuine answers. And who wants to be helped? Now, there are some people, they only want to win debates. You can just ignore them. But if you meet someone who is sincere and the person wants to find out, this Jesus, I'm telling you, you must be at the right place to help the person. You, you need not to be ashamed at that time. Pastor, where are you, Pastor? Pastor at that time is at honeymoon. They're having their anniversary in Singapore. And join his wife in a five-star hotel. That is not the time to call and to disturb him. <laughs> Singapore is a prophecy. <laughs> pastor, Pastor, and there's somebody who that's not the time. <laughs> And Pastor Two, he doesn't want the person to, you know, to believe in Christ and go to hell. So Pastor Two, enjoying the wife, he had to just pause and say, "Wifey, that's not happening in Jesus' name." <laughs> we must, <laughs> Hallelujah! Take your place. Rightly dividing the word of truth. The word dividing is a carpentry term. That means the word dividing is the word for cutting. Cutting is like a Carpenter apprentice who is cutting wood without any distortion. Just cutting the wood. So he's saying that we, we should cut the word without distortion. He's speaking of interpretation of the word. Scripture must explain scripture. That's the problem you're having today in the body. Not everyone is able to rightly right, divide. People are able to divide but not rightly dividing. They are cutting the wood but there's so much distortions. You must know that your Bible, you don't need to be a pastor to know, to know your Bible. 
Say, I know my Bible. It doesn't matter what your pastor is saying. What matters is what God is saying. Hallelujah. There was a great preacher in England, George Campbell Morgan, one of the greatest teachers of all times, and he visited one of his church members in England who was sick. And uh, he opened the Bible and read Isaiah 53 and said, Woman, Jesus said by his stripes, the Bible said by his stripes we are healed. What a wonderful promise God has for you. The woman was on her sick bed, and the pastor said, What a wonderful promise God has for you in the word. He says, by his stripes, you are healed. You know what the woman said in response? The woman said, say, I'm sorry what you read is not a promise, but a fact. To say, I'm sorry what you read is not a promise, but a fact. And healing is not a promise, it's a fact. It's already accomplished. The church member knew what the pastor didn't know. (laughs) Rightly dividing. So sometimes you see someone speaking and you realize that, no, now listen, no matter who you are hearing, Paul himself could say, even if we or an angel from the Lord come to preach to you another thing other than what we have preached, let him be accursed. So it doesn't matter whether it is Paul or Billy Graham. The word of God is the final authority. No. Hallelujah. Yeah. The word of God is the final authority. For instance, you read that, oh, when Jesus is coming, a sword will come out of his mouth and destroy the Antichrist. You've read it in Revelation 19, a sword. So you can teach that, oh, a fiscal sword will come from his mouth. Now, that's how to study the Bible. Whatever you see has a corresponding scripture elsewhere. So when you read a sword coming out of his mouth, is it a fiscal sword? So a sword that will come from the mouth of Jesus. Hey! Now, I read first in my life as a sword. Hey! Then I said, no, there must be an interpretation. So I started searching from the Bible. Then I got to know in 2 Thessalonians 2.8 that, oh, the Lord will destroy the wicked, the Antichrist, with the spirit of his mouth. So Revelation 19 says sword. Thess- Thessalonians says spirit. And I said, ah, okay. Then I got to Ephesians 6.17. The sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. <laughs> The spirit. <laughs> you compare spiritual things with spiritual. Anything you see, don't conclude. Someone came to me and said, Man of God, this is what I've seen in the Bible. This is what I've seen. I just smiled. I, it was totally wrong. You know, I, didn't, I, I said, Okay, you, by two or three witnesses, a matter is established. Get me three other verses you can use to defend what you are saying and come and will continue. He just came and said, man of God, you are too much. You are, he didn't bring it. Man of God, you are too much. He just forgot about it. He just wanted to undo some mysteries. And you know, he just speaks something. He just wanted to say something wild. Oh no. So whatever you see, find out. Last week I was reading my Bible and I, I found out, oh, the love of Christ, Ephesians 3.18, the breadth, the length, the depth, the height. So the love of Christ is a three-dimensional love. I used to wonder. So then I read Revelation 21 and saw that the New Jerusalem has the same the same measurement and the same description. It's three-dimensional. 
So I was asking myself, that's how to, you ask yourself questions. You learn about by asking yourself questions. So uh, how come Christ's love has the same measurement with the eternal city? Why? There must be something, there must be correspondence. Oh, thou have been blessed. Okay. So the measurement of the city is the measurement of his love. And that city is eternity. That's the eternal city. After the millennium, the new Jerusalem is eternity. And that's the, the measurement of the city is the measurement of his love. So his love for us is eternal. That's the first thing I learned. Oh, so his love is eternal. Wow. His love for me is eternal. Now, when you read a word, apply, just personalize it. Don't read to go and preach to someone. The husbandman must be the first partaker of the fruit. Partake of it first. There's a difference between feeding and serving. We can get food and serve and say that you die out of hunger. <laughs> you must feed before you serve. Praise God. Then, I just went like, wow. So his love is standing up. Then I understood that, okay. So the reason why his, the dimensions of his life is the dimension of the city is because in eternity, it is in eternity that now we know him. Now we know Christ's love as is also. We know his love. But when we enter into that place, that is when we are going to enjoy the full import and the full measure of his love. We have not seen that love yet. Though we, 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 we are trying to believe and experience it. But when we get into that city, we have gotten to the place of that love. Because the, the measurement of the city is the measurement of his love. That is when we will literally experience all, that, all of the love he has loved us. So as I was pondering, I couldn't wait to get to that city. Then I also understood that ah, uh, so that city is actually a woman, is a bride, because John, the angel told John, "Come and let me show you the Lamb's wife." So John was expecting to see a woman, and he said, "Come." He took John to a mountain to show John the Lamb's wife, the bride, and what came out was a city. So the city is actually the woman. What a mystery! <laughs> so the city is the bride. Of course, I've thought that. We are not just entering the new Jerusalem. We are becoming the new Jerusalem. Everything about the city is a woman. It's a bride. So, then I understood that the measurement of his love is a measurement of the city. And the city is a bride. So, his love is measured by his bride. His love is measured by his bride. Because that city is his bride. And the measurement of the city is a measurement of his love. So, if you want to know the love of Christ, you have to see his bride. What he paid to possess that bride. And that will take us to the cross. Because the brighter price of the church is the cross. <laughs> Hallelujah. I'm trying to say that, you see, there are some things you read and you go, wow, you want to say something, wow. No, all just brings you down to the simple things. Hallelujah. It brings you back to the simple things. Even the greatest mysteries has doors we access. Hallelujah. Praise God. Beloved, I pray you become diligent and consistent. It's simple. Take it daily. And if you fail, don't be condemned. Anytime you're condemned, you go three steps back. Never. Pick up and continue. Hallelujah. Lift up your voice and begin to pray. God bless you for listening. Keep listening to the word as Christ is made the center of your world. For prayer and counseling, call 024-563-8314 or send an email to info at christworldinc.com. God bless you.